0: FM Talk
3: Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts.
4: Look, I think the best phrase is simple.
2: It ain't working. The Mark Reardon Show. All of this woke world that we're living in right now is not working. Why are you guys bullying me?
4: Mark
0: Reardon. See presents can't do much.
4: I'm done. Do what you want. Pull the plug.
0: This is the Mark Reardon Show.
1: Ordinarily, on a given day here in the 971 FM Talk Studio, I have the blinds open. I didn't make my way over there to do that, Sue, but I'm not sure I want to. It's just a crap day, isn't it? Yeah. It's just not very nice out. It's just rainy. It's not super cold, so that's okay, but after um, a stretch of nice weather, you don't like this. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get you through the weather and everything else that might be going on in your life. This show is about stress relief. That's what most people would say. You talk to them on the street. Why do you listen to the Mark Reardon show? Stress, stress relief. relief. That's yeah. the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, we got a big show, though, as always, a lot going on, and I'm particularly happy with the fact that today is Wednesday already. Oh, me too. Right? Me too. I know. I like that a lot. Um, I gotta start with racquetball just a little bit here too. Played uh, Chris Kerber in racquetball.
5: I love that. Now, oh, wait, we're in the same what level? So, except he's at the top of the level. No, no, no,
1: no, no. That's fake news. No. Oh. So I'm in this league now at the MAC, right? So they have three different divisions: A, B, C. I get assessed a couple weeks ago. I Hadn't played in 20 years. At the B. They put me in the B group. Yeah. Kerber's in the B group. That's right? what
5: I mean. He's just yeah. higher in the B. Well, group. Well, not
1: necessarily. We don't know that yet. Oh. That is undetermined. Although isn't he isn't this the but second is. time we've played him in gotten. Hang on a second. Um, Hang on. I'm, I'm not through with the storytelling. So yeah, he he whooped me a couple of weeks ago. Now, mind you, this is where the excuses come into play. I, I haven't played in 20 years, right? Uh-huh. So now this is the fourth time I played racquetball in 20 years and I swear to God, Sue, I had him I think it was 13 to 5. It might have been 13 to 3. I'm like the San Diego Chargers of racquetball. Oh. He beat me three games. He came back, he won that game and then he now they were all like 15 to 13 or 15. so it was hey, close. Hey, this is good. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him for sure, but that was, uh, that's that was humbling. That's pretty good, Mark. No, I didn't think that I, I, was too bad. That's fairly impressive. Well, here's the thing, and, and honestly, I think Chris would say this too. It's more fun. It's no fun to play someone, probably in any sport, well, if yeah, you're just getting you your butt kicked, right? Yes. You go out with a guy who's a you know scratch golfer, and then you're with me. Uh, that's very humbling. But if you play someone in racquetball that has these kill shots, and I think it's also funny that I'm talking about a game that died 30 years ago and nobody else <laughs> plays except for me, <laughs> but I did want to talk about Chris. Chris also gave me a great topic from the NHL that I will get into to hear this afternoon oh, about a Pride Night in um, Philadelphia that has some controversy swirling around it. And, and I blame Kerber for this. I just and I made this clear to him because he just gave me the information. He didn't take a stand on this or he said, hey, did you hear about this? So I looked it up and then I noticed that there were these tweets from Ben Hockman at the Post Dispatch that were utterly wokely embarrassing and ridiculous. So I'll get into that as well. But my favorite story, and a lot of times what we do here soon on this radio show is we start with my favorite story of the day. And it has to be the woman who I think now has been charged with opening fire on St. Louis police officers Friday in downtown St. Louis. So there's a 54 year old woman. I think we know her name now. They didn't identify her originally because she wasn't charged with a crime. But Kevin Colleen, who um, has been a contributor to this show and I worked with him on the Cam Wex side for a long time he did a story on this our friend maria Aquino also did some reporting good. on this as well but i have to play you know i could play you some sound bites here from jada davis is her name by the way from jada who makes a very strong case that she is the victim in this particular situation but it's definitely worth it to play kevin's story because and, and i'll i'll interrupt it here but he does such a good job i don't want to take this away from him
3: we had all the conversation that like, we wanted to have about about football for now uh...
1: that's aaron Rodgers. You know what happened? Some I was like, "Wow, that's uh, Kevin Colleen sounds changes. a lot like Aaron Rodgers." But <laughs> the mouse was on a different particular uh,
3: story. There, here we go. This is Kevin Colleen, the woman at the heart of that police shooting incident outside the Social Security office last week, is telling her side of the story. I'm a
5: law-abiding citizen. I didn't commit no crime. I ain't trying to commit no crime because I don't want to go to jail.
3: Jada Davis was sitting on the street in downtown St. Louis, the corner of 9th and Olive. After that, by the way, that's just a few blocks from here, right? That's not too far from
1: where we are right now. She
3: had been temporarily released from custody. She denies reports that she was planning to shoot up the social security office. She says she was there parked outside because she lives in her van and had an important meeting and appeal with the social security office in the morning.
1: So the the original reports, Channel 5, and I think she refers to KSDK here. The officers get there. She's inside this gold Toyota minivan. And the way that the KSDK report said that it was uh, covered with racial slurs that were painted. I'm not sure exactly what that's all about. And then um, there were people that told police that she was going to shoot up the Social Security office, which became a bit of an issue.
3: You're denying the claim that you had threatened to shoot up the Social Security building?
5: Why would I? I'm denying the fact that I never spoke to a security officer. They, this is what Channel 5 is saying. The security, social, social security officer said that I talked to him and threatened to shoot up. When did I talk to him if I never left my vehicle? Yeah, well, she
1: makes a good point there. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that independently confirmed. Channel 5, what the hell, right? That's what I'm saying. When
5: did I talk to him if he never came to my vehicle and I let the window down? It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I went to sleep.
3: Davis says when police approached her car that morning to question her, she reminded them of the warning written on the outside of the van.
5: There's consequences and repercussions for busting a window on this car. And it's publicly known. If you bust a window on this car, I'm going to cap out of it.
1: That's my favorite part. I mean, I I don't really know that I need to go any further on the story than that because she's going to cap out of it. I do like her honesty, though. I appreciate her candor and her honesty.
3: Davis tells KMOX she did fire one shot in the encounter, a kind of warning shot, when police appeared to be breaking into her car that morning.
5: I fired one shot after the the hole come through that slide and one of the drivers, the drivers rear the slide door window now my question is did they shoot that window out or did they use that thing to bust a window
1: that's a good question i don't know the answer i'm not sure channel five knows the answer to that did they bust that window out what happened there were warnings on the car she's made it very clear the cops should have known this what the heck were they doing
5: either way i went down grabbed my gun and went down did
3: at this point, Davis got down on the sidewalk at the corner of Ninth and Olive, across from the old post office, reenacting what was happening in her van that morning.
5: I got the rag out. The it was a, it's a solar battery. I had a white towel in it. I reach up and start waving the towel. They still shooting while I'm waving up the to white towel. Come back in.
3: Davis says she ended up tossing her bullets and her gun out the window and then surrendered. She denies that she was ever trying to harm the police.
5: They were not in danger. I did not shoot in their direction.
3: And the one shot that you did fire, where did you point that?
5: It was not in the direction of the officers. Yeah. It was not in the direction of the building with the with the uh, bus on top of it. Yeah, there you go. It was not. It was not in that damn direction.
3: That's Jada Davis, who is now facing charges in that shooting with police. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. Well, I'm not sure why,
1: because it's kind of like Joe Biden. You know, it was like the Corvette. I was, you know, the documents were right. with the Corvette. Who cares, it's no right? It's with the Corvette. Not a big right. deal. She wasn't going to harm anyone. Uh, let's state the obvious here. Jada's pretty fortunate that she wasn't capped herself and isn't dead this morning, right, or this mm-hmm. afternoon yes, because of what happened. But that is—I always like it when you can get someone who clearly has but some she's... mental instability. Look, and, and this this raises questions. We talked about the homeless situation in California. I can mock this and make fun of it, mainly because this is what I do, and I like to do that. But you have a woman who's mentally ill that's living out of her car with warnings on it, and she's got a gun. Mm-hmm. And who knows what's going to happen? The cops go to investigate. Now, I don't know about the claim about— three threatening the Social Security office. She says that didn't happen. Maybe that was something that was errant in the reporting. But you know that these officers who are outnumbered, they have to think Think about that situation. you got the real criminals out there and the people that are, I'm not saying that she's potentially not a criminal, but let's be honest, she's homeless. See, I think it's pretty clear she's got mental health issues. So you pile that on top of all the other stuff that's going on out there with these officers who don't have enough manpower. Yes. And, and how do you even... And this is right downtown, right now. That happened in the middle of the night. It's I dark.
5: Think. Yep, I'm telling you. Wow, just do- I did like
1: her though. So that that's potential. She was completely upfront. Yeah, there's some potential there for audio cut of the day. Uh, I am going to. Now I'm going to have to pick my spots here because I got to be careful, and I want to get into this NHL situation. And those of you who, um, and if you want to do a little homework, or at least pop onto Twitter right now. I don't really have a particular issue with Ben Hockman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I know him a little bit. He's one of the sports guys over there. But he just said something so woke and ridiculous. I said it this way earlier, so wokely ridiculous. I don't know. Is that a phrase? I'm making I'm it a sure, phrase. I'm sure, but you can make try it. for it. Is that an adverb or an adjective or one of those things? <laughs> if, something well, along those lines, Well, it would be right? an adverb there it if is. it were I to did, fly. Look at that. I got it. I think I threw a couple options out there, Sue, but <laughs> yes, adverb yes. was what I was thinking originally, so I'm very proud of myself. Uh, it's just... This is where we are, especially with the sports journalists out there. I don't know what it is where they have to feel that they have to be the, the do-gooders of society and call out hate, quote-unquote. But I'll get into that in a little bit because I need some. Um, I definitely need some time to do it. We have a bunch of other stuff here going on. In fact, they're grilling KJP in the press room right now over some of the stuff with the documents in Biden. I'm expecting Fred to give me some new Peter Ducey. Actually, this guy from, um, what's his name, from NBC, uh, Peter Alexander. He, he's a little frustrated right now. They're, he was caught on an open mic because he was asking some questions, and he basically was uh, very frustrated. So I think that some of the Washington press corps are deciding that they have to do their jobs when it comes to the president and these classified documents. We'll get into that. Illinois Congressman Mike Boss is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. He'll have something to say about that. Phil uh, Phil Holloway is going to be with us later this hour. Sue, I know you're fascinated by this, as am I, and let's just listen to this right now. I'm going to give you a little preview of this because uh, Brian Walsh now— has has been charged with murdering his wife in Massachusetts. We've kind of been following this a little bit on a parallel path with the horrible tragedies in Idaho. And everybody kind of knew that this was the guy that did it. He goes to Home Depot. He has cash, but he spends $450 on cleaning supplies, bleach, tarps, stuff like that. And have you heard his Google
6: history? Well, let's
1: play some of this. This is the prosecutor sort of outlining this case this morning.
6: At 4.55 a.m. on January 1st, he searched how long before a body starts to smell At 4.58 a.m., how to stop a body from decomposing. At 5.20 a.m., he searched how to imbound a body. At 5.47 a.m., 10 ways to dispose dispose of a dead body if you really need to. At 6.25 a.m. on the 1st, how long for someone to be missing to inherit. At 6.34 a.m. on 1st... What was that one? How, how long someone... Before be you to inherit. inherit. Yeah.
5: A little bit of uh, uh, insurance little motive- money You're looking for motivation there. there it up. is.
6: Can you throw away body parts? At 9.29 a.m., what does formaldehyde do? At 9.34 a.m., on 1st, how long does DNA last? At 9.59 a.m., can identification be made on partial remains? At 11.34 a.m., dismemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body oh my. Uh. at 1144 how to clean blood from wooden floor at 1156 on the first luminol to detect blood at 108 what happens when you put body parts in ammonia at 121 p.m is it better to throw crime scene clothes away or wash them
1: well he was very busy on the google there's no do people real i guess there are people and this guy is he was someone of means, right? I don't know much about him, but people are assuming that all you got to do is what clear your history, your search history, and your cache, and then no one's going to be able to determine that you Googled how to dismember a no body or something like that. Dateline? Come <laughs> on, people! Apparently not. So that is a fascinating case, and they got the goods on on Brian. But Walsh. it's good that disgusting... he's that stupid. Don't yeah. get me
5: wrong. No, no, no. It is I good mean, that he's that uh, stupid. But
1: uh, geez, well. Because even Kohlberger wasn't, he was stupid, but I don't think he was that stupid with the internet searches, although we might not know that at this point. Um, So we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Phil Holloway is going to join us after Congressman Boss. It is a Wednesday, so that means that Alex Rich and Hayes from Y98 are going to come in. Sue, do you know what brown noise is as opposed to white noise? I do not. I didn't either until yesterday. It's a real thing. People think there's something to it. I'll explain that in the next hour. Uh, Colorado Congressman Ken Buck will be with us. He's written a new book on big tech and free speech called "Crushed," and an audio cut of the day and more this afternoon. Hang in there, Congressman Boss. Coming up next, we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing
0: new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: Congressman Mike Boss is uh, coming up here in just a moment. First, a little clarification from Sue on some traffic situations.
5: Well, you know, MoDOT had originally uh, reported that accident on northbound 270. Turns out it was southbound, just south of Page. I'm sending out a tweet. It's in the left lane. We've got a jam to Dorset. Well, who do we need to fire at MoDoc for giving that information <laughs> well, I should afternoon? have
1: looked at that camera before, but I did not do it. All right. Well, we have Phil Holloway who's going to chime in on this um, this crazy case from Massachusetts a little later this hour. Sue will have Sue's News. We have Alex Rich and Hayes coming in in the next hour. Um, Colorado Congressman Ken Buck will be here as well. He's written a new book. Right now, Congressman Mike Bost is here from Illinois in the 12th District. Have you written a book yet, Bost? You need to write a book, I think.
2: I've not. I've not. I've actually got the title written i'm working on it. it's called being a public servant in a dysfunctional world because no one can make it up
1: <laughs> my i like that a lot i've decided that if i'm going to write a book it's going to be the title is going to be don't say f on the radio and other tales from my 30 years in broadcasting <laughs> and by the way that's actually a, a true story that i really don't want to share but that's in my book you'll have to wait mike how are you this afternoon happy new year i'm
2: I'm good. I'm busy, but but good. We're uh, back in district because the district is so large now. Remember, I have landmass-wise one st- one-third of the state of Illinois, uh, between. Uh, I, and I didn't think I'd be back out at D.C., but yesterday, I, 9 o'clock the day before, uh, got in the, at night I got called, and today they're forming up the VA committee, which I'm now chairman of. You need to be here. So I changed my plans, went to D.C. in less than a 16-hour period, and got back, and but now we're Bouncing all over the district, doing those things that, besides the fact that you're out in D.C., we're doing.
1: It. Well, let, let's talk about it. that's a great committee chairmanship, the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. This has been an issue that you have been, um, you know, focused on in your terms in Congress. So let's talk about why that's important. What would the goals be there for that committee chairmanship?
2: Well, right now, when we've got the committee up and running and uh, we've got it loaded, uh, let me tell you that the most important thing is you, you know, yes, you pass law but you also have to give oversight. And right now, with a lot of the things that are going on with the VA, with the amount of mass money that's been handed to them, it's important for us as a committee to make sure we give oversight uh, of the administration as that money has been because of COVID and other things uh, uh, that has been put in there. Now, there's a lot of things also that we've been put in when, when we also worked on what was known as the PACT Act. And now as we have these veterans that, are actually starting to receive this it is the you know it's one of the largest expansions of health care for our veterans that they've ever seen three point five million plus veterans and their families are going to receive uh, care these are our toxic exposed veterans since nine eleven um, and and so making sure that's in place you've also got uh, the electronic health records which has been a debacle from the very beginning uh, it has been very very dangerous and and we're going to have to bring we've been doing oversight on that that's going to have to Continue to expand, uh, but we've got to continue to make sure that our Veterans Administration moves forward into the 21st century with providing the health care. They're trying to do that, but whenever I've got a secretary talking about coming to me and asking this committee to push forward with a budget that would allow them to do new construction, we're searching back through the money we've already given them, to saying, okay. We're going to move money over from this program or from this area, not cutting, but reshifting and refocusing to make sure that they can provide for those veterans the way they need to. It's always so there's been. A, there's a lot of things.
1: Yeah, it's always been so confusing to me. You know, one of the saddest experiences I've ever had in my life, and gosh, I hope it's a lot better right now, but back in the late 80s, I went into the VA hospital in Columbia, Missouri when I was, you know, I graduated from the zoo. I was doing radio work, and there were some things that were in the news at the time with the VA and that hospital in particular, as I remember, that weren't very complimentary. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I went and I toured that hospital, and Mike, it was, I thought to myself, this is a horrible, I wasn't a big fan of hospitals anyway, right. but it just seemed like the most depressing place on the planet and here we are was, trying to help our veterans
2: right well what our problem is they were built in the 40s and the 50s and they stayed there uh, now, now that is not the case nationwide now but then there's a couple things one is that the oversight is so important because you've got to remember that, that the VA and remember it's not just the healthcare side it's all a VA the VA is the second largest bureaucracy in the world and two and two, we do want to make sure that the best of the best is there, and, and I'm going to tell you. And by the thing. way,
1: what's the first? Is it Medicare?
2: Uh, no, no, it's Department of Defense.
1: Oh, okay, all right.
2: Department of Defense is the largest, and then then the VA is the second. Now, it is the largest medical provider in the world. VA is the largest medical provider in the world, and with that, we get a lot of good technology. Now, so I, don't, I don't want to say bad thing. I want to say some very good things. Matter of fact, some of the best research in the world is done at uh jefferson barracks um as far as exoskeletons allowing our quadriplegic and paraplegic to be able to move with a, a device that they actually stand up and walk and some of the research is being done with that also the research that was done uh, for instance you know a lot of people think that that when you are a uh, receiver a prosthetic they still do it the old-fashioned way and everything like that and they have to mold it and then reshape it and everything like that now a person comes in for their prosthetic once they're ready for it and or if they're getting one renewed they take a they take an ipad and there's a special app on it and they rotate it in about 360 degree direction around the the the, 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 the stub where the uh, prosthetic is going to fit they put it into a, uh, a 3D printer. You go out, have lunch, come back. You have a perfect fit.
1: Isn't that mind-blowing? Unbelievable. Is, it isn't wonderful. it wonderful? Yeah. That,
2: that's what we need to be able to do for our veterans. Another thing we're doing with new technology for our veterans, remember the veterans the VA is also in charge of all uh, veteran cemeteries and also veterans war memorials. Veterans war memorials are those cemeteries that are no, not located on our soil. Uh, let's say that went Normandy mm-hmm, or, right. or Bella Woods or all this. Every one of those cemeteries now, you know, have, if you go there, there's graves or unknown soldiers, unknown soldiers, unknown soldiers, you know, the graves of the unknown. We also then have a marble or a granite plaques inside the memorial building that says the people that were MIA in the region that would have been possibly buried there. Okay. So those MIA. We are able to go to the family, our nearest family relative, get DNA. We're now tapping down into the grave, and we're identifying a lot of these, even back to the First World War, and then notifying the, 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 first, or the closest kin, bring them to the site and say, this is where your loved one is buried. We can either mark it. If you think this is a nice place to have it, we'll mark it, and it'll match the other stones. It's up to you, or we exhume the body, take it to their home or where their choice is, or if a full military barrier.
1: That's awesome. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Congressman Mike Bost is here from Illinois. What is the current status? I think I saw somebody tweet about this, and, and I think at this point this is outrageous. Is there still a military vaccine mandate that is in effect, Congressman? No. Okay, good. No. So we that has been ask, rescinded we, at this point.
2: That has that has been rescinded. Let me tell you what was not done, but we're working to get done. And, and actually... The the uh, D.O.D. is actually looking to do it on their own. And that's those people who chose to get out rather than get the vaccine that might have been close to their retirement or everything like that really didn't want to leave. They are being contacted. We're trying to make it where they're being contacted. And then they can be reinstated. Yes. Okay. that's maybe what I saw today. Yeah. Retroactively.
1: Yes. Excellent. Excellent. That's that's outstanding. And
2: and if they don't do it through administrative rule, we're going to carry bills to make it happen.
1: So let, let's talk a little bit. Well, let me take you back a couple of weeks here, and all the uh, and I thank the United States House for all the content for the McCarthy race and in the election yeah. and, and the drama. And I stayed up late that night. I I took the position that this is democracy. We're going to get through it. Everything's going to be okay. I I certainly respected most of the members that were in opposition. Not all. I think there's a couple right. of personalities in there I would separate out. But I think that there were some legitimate things that Chip Roy and you know Ken Buck's coming up right. later that they were asking for. Um, in the end, what was your take on that, Mike? Because obviously. Obviously, well, the me, media makes this to be, oh, the Republicans oh, yeah. look at what they're yeah. doing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they said it's embarrassment. Well, here's the thing. the We believe not only that group, but our conference as a whole uh, wanted to have transparency. Now, if there's transparency in certain things, there's two things that you probably don't want to see being made because it might ruin the taste of both. One is sausage right. and the other is law.
1: Right, exactly. And
2: so, the, so what happened is you saw transparency. Now, let me explain this, though, and don't let anybody tell you any different. And When it came to the rules package, the same rules package, except for two minor changes, was the exact same rule package that the entire conference voted on, agreed upon, and debated five weeks prior to the vote for speaker. And the only change that occurred was for the, uh, the recall of the speaker went from five members calling for it to one member calling for it. Is that a big change? It's a a big change from what Nancy Pelosi had, but it is exactly the same thing that we had in this United States government since 1912. Since 1912, you could always have one member that can make the motion. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. It means it's going to be called, and then it has to be voted up or down, whichever they're going to recall the speaker. That's the one change. The other change, which was in there, is a slight tweak in the language in which way we would set up what's known as our church committee. And when a lot of people hear that, they think like the church, uh, a, a religious church. Mm-hmm. That's not it at all. It, it, in the 1970s, there was a senator by the name of Church that realized that there was, uh, by bit, lack of better term, because we use this term and you'll understand, that there's a deep state, <laughs> Yeah. and the deep state needed to be investigated in a bipartisan manner, so that we can get into exactly that the, that the bureaucrats are working for the people and the Congress, not for themselves and or a political party. So the, the agreement for putting in the language for the church committee, there was a slight tweak in, in what was being proposed there, not much at all. So, so when they say, oh, there was these big rules and these 20 got it done, that, that wasn't the case at all. There were other issues in there and there were some concerns that I had. With what the other twenty were asking for, and and many things that they were asking for, they were getting anyway. And sometimes I think it was, what was voted on was to save face with some of them. Did you, did you have anyway. money?
1: Did you have money on Gates or Rogers in in that throwdown? Roger. I'm kidding. Okay, yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the debt ceiling and where this is. Speaking of hyperbole, Congressman, we're going to hear that from a lot of the legacy media here in the next few weeks. But there are some important issues when it comes to spending to sort of focus in on here. So how yeah. do you think that this manifests itself in the coming weeks? Well,
2: let, let's figure out the problem is, is the extreme levels of the unnecessary spending that we've done over the past two years by this administration. You know, Our nation is $31 trillion in debt. Our children and grandchildren, we're going to have to pay for it at some time, or we'll have to make figure out something. So what I believe and what Kevin and what our team is proposing, and we're doing it together, is to send a message. Now, now, understand, by, by not allowing the debt ceiling to pass, you're going to it, – it's a bad thing to not – because you're going to – you can't let the U.S. government go default.
1: Right. Okay. Right. Can't That's, default. You, you just right. can't do that.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. And 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 so you can't default on on the power behind the U.S. government has to be there, but that doesn't mean we don't negotiate for some sensible. Well, a while ago, whenever I told you about taking the VA and telling them when you want to spend here, no, 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 we take from over here and we we shift over there. You used to call it uh, pay go, now. No, no. It, 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 it's – we have to have – we have to cut somewhere to, if you're going to spend somewhere because right. we've got to get this under control. And that's what we're going to be arguing for from our side of the aisle before we ever work toward a debt ceiling. And what's really wild is, is you've got the, 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 um, the administration saying, well, you're willing to shut down the government. No, we aren't. You are. And the reason you are is because you won't stop – aggressively spending even to this, one, what you did with Build, build Back Broke, or what you did with, with in the middle of the night with the help of the Republican senators, I'm sorry, um, and, and, and the massive spending bills and those two spending bills and what you've done to the debt of this United States. Now, the biggest fear there is who is our biggest enemy when it comes to that? Well, our biggest enemy is very simply China, and they're going to own they're owning our debt.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's a complicated situation. I can't wait to see how the um, negotiations go here in the coming weeks because I do believe it's important. But obviously you talk about, well, you can't default. You said that. So we all know that. Well, most of the media is going to blame this, even though it's the Democrats that probably at least deserve half the blame. You know, the Republicans will get most of the blame.
2: Well, the the thing is, here's what you have to understand. The debt ceiling has to be raised because you've already overspent. It isn't a case where you're going to give the debt ceiling increase so you can overspend. More. No, no, right,
1: right. Yeah, you're, you're you, just you doing it overspent. because you've already spent the money. Absolutely. Congressman Mike Bost, who's always great coming on the show here on 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. Congrats again on the committee chairmanship and being back in the majority. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Well, we uh, we talked about this a little bit in the in the opening, the Brian Walsh case in Massachusetts. Another murder case that has captured the, you know, imagination, if you will, curiosity of the nation. Phil Holloway, Fox News legal analyst, former police officer, always a great contributor to the show, is with us this afternoon. Phil, how are you? I'm doing great. Always happy to be with you. So we learned some some new information here, didn't we? We did. We learned a lot. This
4: district attorney today in what was supposed to be a just a mere recitation of, you know, enough to, to survive probable cause, right? She laid out a very compelling case as if it were an opening statement at a trial. And if she can prove half of the things she laid out today, there, there really is, in my view, no good defense to this case. Uh, I really can't see that, that where, where you can say it's an accident or anything like that. It was so over the top in terms of how he allegedly has gone to dramatic measures to to cover up what he did. And he knows that he was wrong. He knows that he was acting guilty. And he, he used the internet to try to cover up his crimes.
1: I understand that if, if, if I, I don't want to even put myself in this situation, but if you commit a heinous crime and then you're in panic mode, right, you're going to do some things that probably aren't that smart because you just killed someone. But how anyone in this era... Uh, You can even talk about Idaho, Phil. Can't think that cameras are everywhere or can't think that police are going to go and look at the Home Depot where now he used cash. Okay, so he wasn't trying to put on the credit card, but he buys four hundred fifty dollars worth of cleaning supplies. What would that be about? Right. (laughs) Come on.
4: Well, you got tarps, you got uh, all sorts of bacon. So you got, oh, oh, the the hacksaw and the the uh, knives and the axe and the drop cloth. All this stuff together before today was painting a really gruesome picture. But now today we've learned that the Google searches or Internet searches were really over the top. Uh, you know, it's, it's like how do you dismember a body basically, okay? And he was using his son's iPad to do it. How, how sick of a, and a deprived person do you have to be, depraved person I should say, do you have to be to do that?
1: Well, that that's the uh, that's the question, and and I guess in this particular situation, wh- what do we know about this couple and in their and how this sort of um, built up? Because obviously, she goes missing a couple weeks ago. He says that she woke him up at their home. She had to fly to D.C. for a work emergency, and then that's the last time that she is seen. Right, so that that's suspicious from the get-go, and he's automatically the suspect, but. He, <laughs> You know, how, how again, you well, can think you can get away with stuff like this is amazing to me.
4: One of the things that we learned today was that he was Googling, apparently, what is the best state to get a divorce in. So that right there is, at least is some insight as to, you know, a, a potential motive. But we've also learned that he's got a very volatile temper. He's, he's quick to get very, very angry and violent. So... You know, you put all this together and it paints a, a really gruesome picture. Listen, by proving today and, and at least saying how they think that she can, they can prove that he destroyed the body, They, I think they proved three really key things. First, you know, even though they don't have a body, by what they laid out today, they can prove she is, in fact, dead. And they've got the blood, the DNA, and, and they got all of these um, drastic measures that he went to to uh, dispose of a body and to conceal his tracks. So they've been able to they're going to be able to prove that. There was, in fact, a living human being that's died. That's step one in the murder. But two, uh, they, they're showing that, that he knows what he did was wrong. That's why he tried to hide this. And that, my friend, will foreclose any possibility of a, an insanity defense because he does know right from wrong, and you can, you can glean that from the actions that he took in the days after apparently she was killed on top of that. There's one other thing he could have claimed maybe it was an accident I got pa- I panicked and I I just didn't know what to do so I chopped her up okay he could have said that kind of like Durst did Robert Durst did we've seen that before in the past and it was a successful acquittal but this type of Google searching it was it was a dozen or more really crazy Google searches this shows that he has an abandoned heart he's got a malignant heart he's somebody who has just malice just dripping from him. And so I think that will foreclose any type of claim that it was an accident or some other type of justifiable homicide.
1: You know, there's a case that this reminded me of from the standpoint that there there is no body, and I think you'll find this interesting. So way back in the day, this would be in the mid-80s, and I kind of searched it up because it was um, back in 1986-87. I covered this murder trial. I was a, a cub reporter just out of college, Phil Holloway, and there was a woman who went missing from uh, Boonville Missouri which is near Columbia where I went to the University of Missouri and her name was Susan Davis so she goes missing her husband you know tells police the story uh they can't find her there's no body everybody thinks maybe Ralph Davis the guy killed her but there's no body and they can't prove it so two years go by And then there's this storage facility in Jefferson City, which is south of Columbia. And the people who took over the storage facility, you know, like where you store your stuff, the the orange, you know, whatever you call them, they look they're everywhere. Right. And it's one of my great regrets, Phil, that I did not get into that industry because that is a cash cow. So the new owners start looking through this storage facility. They're going through every unit. They're trying to match up, you know, the people that had rented the units. And there's one they get through. They have to cut off the locks because they didn't, you know, they didn't know whose it was. And there's a four escort that's in the storage locker right well they report that to police sure enough that was susan davis's car and her dna her brains basically were splattered on the front of the car this guy was charged with first degree murder there was a guy that i knew pretty well his name was joe mosley he ended up being a, a state senator for a little while He's still around in Columbia, Missouri. He prosecuted this case. He built the car in the courtroom. I covered every day of this case. It was fascinating. He reconstructed the car. And if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the, if not the first cases for a first degree murder conviction. And it was a death penalty case with, uh, with no body. They just did it on DNA. And it, you know this better than most. You know, late 80s, mid 80s DNA. That was very, very new when it came to, um, you know, matching this up with criminal. And that was just a fascinating case at the time.
4: think about it with dna you you don't have a body but you've got a small piece of one right if you have got the dna so you've got at least a, a molecule or two of the body but if you have the the more or less complete body you'll have the benefit of a medical examiner who can do a cause and manner of death presentation to a jury and you know you can get a lot of mileage from that as a prosecutor but when you don't have a body and you're proving this through circumstantial evidence like what we have seen in this case up until now that is, to me, much more powerful than having a robotic medical examiner physician you know, talk about cause and manner of death to a jury. You're laying out circumstances that require a jury to draw an inference from that. And, the, and, and when you put lots of different circumstances together and they all cause you to draw the same inference, it's a really powerful yeah. type of case. So I think circumstantial evidence. Oftentimes gets uh, gets the short stick in terms of how people describe it. It's really powerful. You know, I, I
1: actually cross referenced this as we were talking. I looked up an article about this, and I had you know I I couldn't have recited this to you if if you asked me because it was a long time ago. But Ralph Davis actually took the stand in his own defense. I think it was his only shot, and he told the jury at this time that his wife had threatened him with a handgun, and blood came from her breaking the window with a round and so the medical examiner takes the stand and says nope that that's not the case if someone lost that much blood they would have gotten immediate medical attention or they were dead so he's sentenced to first degree murder and then sentenced to death uh denying the involvement the uh, the entire time but that was a fascinating case i always thought phil that that would have been a great uh, at the very least episode of uh, you know law and order or something like that and i should have i should have done that i should have written that script i think
4: you know, sometimes the best thing and the only hope that a defendant has is to testify, and it's kind of like a, a Hail Mary in a football game, right, where you really have no chance except maybe one sliver of a hope, and you just toss it and see what happens. I don't know how uh, this Walsh guy is going to defend this case, and I really don't. Envy being the attorney. I've been in a couple of trials before where I had no leg to stand on, and you're halfway through the trial just listening to the state's evidence, and you're still trying to figure out, okay, what's my what
1: direction to go? Yeah, it,
4: it's, it happens, and they they've really put together a solid case. I got to hand it to the cops there in Massachusetts. it Seems they've
1: done a great job. Yeah, it's an interesting case. All right, Let, nothing new really on Idaho because there's that you know, the media blackout at this point. We're not going to really find much more out about Coburger, are we? Well, I think you might find uh, here
4: pretty quickly there might be some new stuff coming out today about the basis for the for the search warrants uh, of his home. So be on the lookout for that. All
1: right. Phil Holloway, always great to have you. Have a great week. You, you too, buddy. Thanks. Phil Holloway, always great to have him on here on 97.1 FM Talk. We played a little bit of the audio from earlier. Let me get back into this because, Sue, what the prosecutor said today about everything that they discovered and I'm guessing that most people knew that this guy was going to get busted eventually. They just needed to, you know, find the goods on him. But he wasn't the smartest criminal on the planet.
6: On January 3rd, that same day, at 1.02 p.m., he did some more uh, Google searches. What happens to hair on a dead body? At 1.13 p.m., what is the rate of decomposition of a body so this goes
1: on and on and on and then they discover things in dumpsters investigators
6: did secure and search the dumpsters from uh, defendant's mother's complex in swapskitt it was searched at a transfer station in Peabody investigators recovered 10 trash bags inside the trash bags many of these items contain uh, stains uh, consistent with blood in fact a lot among the items secured were towels rags slippers Tape, back suit, gloves, cleaning agents, carpets, rugs, hunter boots, car you know,
1: The list goes on and on, oh right? Oh, my God. 19
6: gosh. vaccine card in the name of Alana Walsh, a hacksaw, a hatchet, and some cutting shears. The purse and boots were described as what Anna was last seen in.
1: You know, one, was, one of the questions geez. I would have, not, not, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here, I'm not advocating this, but I suppose it's a question that's come to mind In every one of these cases, right, this guy would be a perfect example. Why? You just killed your wife, right? If you have a passport. The mother
5: of your child. But, but I mean,
1: why would you you assume that you're not going to get caught if, I'm just telling you, why wouldn't you just jump on an airplane and go to the middle of the jungle because that's your best shot, right? Yeah, and I
5: think, well, he's got a son, and he thought, well, he needs a dad. Well, he's, Gee, you're a great candidate.
1: And he used his son's iPad to yeah. do some of the searching. Oh, oh my. Anyway, horrible. We appreciate Phil Holloway chiming in. Sue's News, Alex Rich and Hayes from Y98, and a whole bunch more coming up in the next
0: hour.
2: Get more at 971talk.com.